Have you ever gotten yourself into something and realized quickly, oh my gosh, what have I done? Have, you, know, you know, what, what in the world have I done in, in trying to attempt this? When, when I think about that, I, I think about, have you ever watched a small child, a toddler, when she is first starting to walk? Have you ever, have you ever seen that? You know, the, the baby will get up and not grab hold of anything. I mean, usually it's been walking, holding mama's hand or, or grabbing hold of, of a piece of furniture and it gets up and starts to walk. She, she starts to make those first steps and she's so happy because she, she's walking. This is something that she's been thinking about. And then she realizes, wait a minute, I'm walking. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not grabbing hold of anything. Mama's hand isn't, isn't in my hand. And all of a sudden she begins to panic. She stands to cry and plop right down on the floor she goes. Yeah, have you ever seen that? You might, you might have experienced that with a, uh, one of your children, your grandchildren, or a niece or a nephew. Yeah, as you see that baby realizing, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm walking and, and falls down. You ever been there, seen that? Maybe you can't recall that, but maybe something like this has happened that your wife talks you into taking ballroom dancing classes. Any of you guys been there? Yeah. And you, you do the ballroom dancing classes, and I could tell a funny story about that, but I won't right now. But you, you get down the steps, and you know, you, you've been there counting, you know, one, two, three, you know, you're do, doing all that. And eventually you, get, you're, you think you're pretty good. And so you decide to go to a real place where they're actually dancing. You go to some club or, or to some studio, and there's people out there waltzing around, and you are out there dancing around thinking, you know, this is pretty good. And then you realize, hey, there's other people here, <laughs> and, and they're pretty good. And you realize, oh my gosh, you know, here I am out here as, as nervous as I am. And next thing you know, you find yourself counting in one, two, yes, and all the, full, all the joy and all the excitement is gone. Ever done something like that? Maybe some of y'all have been adventuresome. You see something on that Husband Guilt Television Network, HGTV, and you, you, you all right, so some of you guys know what I'm talking about, you know, and, 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 and you see that out there, and you say, I want to try that project, and so you jump into it enthusiastically, you know, you get the sledgehammer out, you start swinging, tearing out things, you start to make this huge mess, and the expenses come in, and you realize, oh my gosh, what have I done? Any of you guys been there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we all have. We all have. We, we have jumped into something. We have started walking on our own. We have maybe started to dance out there with the, the big time crowd, and we think we've got in over our heads. Well, if you've ever been there, oh, that's what today's scripture is all about. As we hear about our good friend Peter, who we've studied a lot over the last month, and in this series, we chose this text because it talks to us about, well, learning to trust, even when we think we're in over our heads. Here now the word of the Lord is found in the good news according to Matthew, the 14th chapter. Immediately, that's Jesus, he made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray when evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against him. And early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. 
But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you who commanded me to come to you on the water, if it is you who command me to come to you on the water, Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, caught him, saying to him, you have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those on the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And Sam, I realized something, if y'all would pardon me, because we have some people that are on another video. Carolyn, you threw me off, so, okay. But we ought to show this video. I'm sorry for this interruption, but you pl- this is important. So you got it? Thanks. Sorry. Hey, my name is James Nolner. This is my wife, Jackson. We're members here at United Methodist Church. One of the things that I've been thinking about over the last several weeks is uh, because we care is, uh, is very similar to our home, right? That Boone... United Methodist Church is our is like our home, and, and any uh, good homeowner takes care of their property, and we have to be a good steward of what God has given us. Um, so I'm excited that this initiative will um, take care of our home in, in some small way. I think I'm passionate about our, our feeding ministry, right? That um, this allows, you know, our church is designed to be a um, representation of the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in our community. So however we can open up our doors and part of that for me is being involved with Thursday night dinner and just um, being more open door to the needs of the community. And for me, what excites me, feel strongly that our church is a mission, that it's not, or our building is part of the mission. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's important to go overseas and do mission work, but it's even more important to invest in what we have here in our community, mm-hmm. that we are investing in our children and in the safety and well-being of our children in this building, and not just our children, but also um, the children of our community. And we have over 100 families who come in this building every um, Monday through Friday, uh, either for United Methodist Preschool or the Imagine Bilingual, and then it'll expand even more once we get the after-school program set up. Um, and a lot of these families don't are not members of this church mm-hmm. and might not be members of any church. And they may never come and hear a sermon, but they do know that this building is safe and they can trust us, and I believe that trust is a mustard seed that um, will grow in their hearts uh, if they can trust being in this building and feeling safe. Thank you for the interlude, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah, Jesus has sent the crowds away. It's late in the evening, and in this text, Jesus says to the disciples, get in the boat and row across the water, while Jesus said, I need to go into the mountain to pray. And 
I want to take just a, a brief interlude to sit, talk about what Jesus did here in solitude. Solitude is more than just being alone. According to something I read recently by Henri Nouwen, solitude is not taking time to go into the wilderness and, and get away from it all. It's not about the loneliness that we may experience uh, in this time and in this culture where people so, are saying so much that they feel alone. No, what Jesus did and what he's talking about, what Henri now reminds us of, is that solitude is being alone with the one who calls us beloved. It's the time filled with joy and possibility where we hear the good news of who Jesus is calling us to become. It's being alone with God. And y'all, if Jesus had to be alone and spend time in solitude, how important it is for us to do the same. And I ask us, are we taking time to be alone with God in our lives? Are we taking time to be alone with God? It's a different sermon for a different time, but I, I had to hit on that because, as I said, I'm reading something by Henri now and right now, and he hits on this so hard that it's in that time of being alone that we hear the voice of the beloved telling us how loved we are. So Jesus goes into the mountain to be alone, to hear that he's beloved. After doing this great miracle, feeding 5,000 men, there's lots of women and children there, so lots of folks are being fed. And he sends the disciples out into the water, out into the Sea of Galilee, a place that they knew quite well. It's nighttime. And if you've ever get a chance to go onto the Sea of Galilee, I've been there and this very thing happened. Storms pop up, poof, just like that. And so there they are at three o'clock in the morning, a storm pops up and they can't get to the other side. The waves are beating against them. The wind is against them. They have to lower the sail. They're there rowing. They're not making any progress. And Jesus finishing his prayer time <laughs> begins to walk out to them on the water. Now, I don't know about you, that'd be a scary thing. But to them is even scarier because they could not fathom the depths of the Sea of Galilee. It's so deep, they could not extend ropes down to the bottom of it. It's so deep and, and so vast. And so they thought the Sea of Galilee was a portal to the underworld. And they thought that it, the, the dead dwelled there below the sea. So they naturally felt that a ghost has popped up from the sea and is walking towards us, or it was some evil spirit that was coming to get them or to haunt them. And they cry out in fear. They cried out because they thought something was coming to get them. And Jesus did what he does so often to those who are afraid. He said, fear not. Immediately, it says, he said, fear not, it is I. Fear not, it is I. Fear not, it is I, I have come to be with you in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the, of the waves, in the midst of this tumult you're going through. Fear not, it is I. More than any other phrase in Scripture, from the divine to the human, from God to us, are these words, be not afraid, fear not, it is I. It's, over, it's written over 140 times in the Bible. It echoes the words that come to us from 1 John. It says, perfect love, that's God, perfect love casts out 
all fear. All fear takes it away. And Jesus comes to us in the times when the storms are beating against us and says to us, fear not. Particularly in times like what the disciples are going through. Because you see, you got to remember, who was it that told them to go out into the sea? Who was it that told them to go out into the boat? Jesus. It wasn't their decision to go out fishing like we heard about earlier. Peter said, I'm going to go fishing, and they go out on their own. No, Jesus says, you all go out into the water. You go out into the deep. And my friends, the church of Jesus Christ is called to go out into the dark waters. It's called to go out into the deep. It's being sent out by by Jesus, by our master, to go to where people are broken, go to where people are hurting, go to where people are not trusting in in their faith anymore. They have given up on Jesus. And as we do that, we recall the words from the end of Matthew's gospel. You might remember a whole year ago when we preached throughout the last words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. He says, go into all the world. And what's the promise? As you go, I will go with you. You, as you go, I'll go with you. You know, when you come to church, you go out to see. Literally, you you are. You're going out to see. For one of the most ancient symbols of the church is a boat. I think it's going to be on the screen here, is it? Yes, there it is. And when you come to church, you're literally going out to see. Well, not me, not literally, but figuratively you are because you see... One of the most ancient symbols of the church is a boat. And in fact, the area in which you are sitting right now in lots of churches is called the nave. The nave. It doesn't mean nave like you're all a bunch of fools, though sometimes we may feel like we are. Nave comes from the Latin word, what's it sound like? Navy. You are going to see when you go out to church. For the church of Jesus Christ is meant to go out like a boat going out into the ocean, a ship going out into sea, to go to places that are beyond the sight of the shoreline, to go out from the harbor out to the places that may seem dangerous and perilous, but that's where we're called to go. And as we think about the Because We Care initiative, as was mentioned by James and Catherine, are we going to stay in the safe harbor, or is we as Boone United Methodist Church going to risk and go where our master sends us out to those places that we have never been before? For the church is not meant to play it safe. It's not meant to stay at anchor. It's not meant to hang out in the harbor. It's meant to go out beyond the horizons, to places we've never been, knowing as we go, he goes with us. He goes with us. When I served my last gig as a pastor and growing up along the Gulf Coast, a prayer that became meaningful to us at Fairhope United Methodist because we were trying to attempt some daring things. is a prayer from a person that you wouldn't think would be a person of prayer. 
Sir Francis Drake. If any of y'all know your English history, Sir Francis Drake was the one that defeated the Spanish Armada. He's the one that uh, the Spanish deemed as a pirate. He's the one that circumnavigated the world. Not only was he an English hero, though, he was a, a person of faith. And this prayer attributed to him became meaningful to us. And it's going to be on the screen. And I'm going to encourage us to say this prayer together because it's getting at exactly what I am talking about. Hear this prayer. Let's say it together. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the new future in strength, courage, hope, and love. Amen. Isn't that a cool prayer? I mean, for those of us who grew up on the water and would view the far horizons and dream of what's beyond there, that's what God is calling the church to do. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Launch out beyond the land. Go beyond the horizons that you currently know. Leave the harbor and as you do, I'll go with you. I will go with you. And as we're venturing forth as a congregation, who knows where the Lord will lead us. But we know that where we are sailing, he goes with us. Just like he did those disciples who were out there on the storm in the Sea of Galilee. So back to the story. So here's Jesus walking towards them on the water. Their storm is happening, and all, all these waves are crashing against the boat. And what does Peter do? It's not what I would have done. I mean, if all these waves are hitting the boat and it's getting splashed around, I've been uh, dunking down below the gunnels, you know. I'd have been <laughs> hunkering down there a little bit. But no, what's Peter do? He didn't say, Lord, get in the boat. It's dangerous out there. Or he didn't say, Lord, here, catch this line. Or Lord, I'm going to throw you a ring buoy. What does he say? Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Again, that, that seems so counterintuitive, but that's why we love Peter so much. He's just going to jump out and do whatever comes in his head, right? And so Jesus said, come on, Peter, the water's mighty fine. <laughs> and so Peter climbs out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water, begins to dance along the waves. And that's something special, isn't it? And you got to wonder why the other 11 didn't climb out of the boat too. Here they could have joined the only two people that we know of that ever walked on water in all of human history. And yet they stay hunkered down in the boat. Ever been like those 11? Ever been like those that stayed there in the boat while others are dancing on the waves? Ever been that way? As 
I get older in life, and now that I'm uh, able to join that young adult Sunday school class finally, uh, I've heard this phrase, and I totally agree with it, is that in life, we're going to regret more the things that we did not do than the things that we did do. Now, some of us are going to regret some of the things that we did. I, I understand that. <laughs> but we know that there are plenty of things in our lives that we wish we had done and we didn't because we let fear hold us back. And we missed out on dancing on the water and walking on the waves. Ever been there? I know there are things in my life as I look back that I wish I had done them and I didn't because I let fear enter into my life. I've told this story in some venues around here. I know it's it's shared it with the youth a few weeks ago. So Danae, wake up after I'm done with the story. You've heard this one already. But I've shared it, I I think I know it's at the gathering of the lawn, but I don't think I've shared it in this space. So I I tell it to you. It's a, a little bit of the story about how I got here. And I won't get into all the details about all the machinations of, you know, Methodist polity, but I will say this, that it was pretty much official that I was coming up to the Western North Carolina Annual Conference. In fact, an appointment had been made by the bishop that was up here at the time, um, who I knew, in fact, he's the guy that appointed me to, to Fairhope. And he hadn't told me where it was, but my bishop down there had pretty much figured out it was here. And it was just about to be made official. I was, the announcement was going to be made at the gathering of the district superintendents, known as the cabinet, uh, the next morning. And that would have began the process in motion to beginning to select a new superintendent and, you know, begin the process of me to transfer up here. And I was at a hotel in Montgomery for the cabinet meeting the next morning, and I couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning. I was saying, what in the world am I about to do? What, what, is, what am I getting myself into? I, I'm leaving a place that I know and love with friends that I've known for all my life just about, a place that, you know, is warm. <clears throat> and I, you know, thought about all the financial ramifications that were going to be happening and, and going to a place I, I had never, ever been before. And, and I was letting fear overwhelm me. I couldn't sleep. And so at 2 o'clock in the morning, I got to my phone, and without my glasses on, and this is the God thing, without my glasses on, I texted who I thought was my wife. I can tell another funny story about texting somebody who I thought was somebody else, but I won't get into that right now. I thought it was my wife, but I accidentally texted my daughter. Now, it was a God thing in two ways. One, my wife's such a sound sleeper. She would not have heard the, 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 the text going off. But the second thing is this. My daughter, who is a lighter sleeper, heard the text message. And also, though my wife would have said something wise too, my wife just had the perfect, my daughter had the perfect words to say to me. She said this. I'll never forget it. Dad, you're letting fear steal the possibility of a dream that you've had before you. And here's the key line. God does not speak through fear. God does not speak through fear. God leads us with love and with peace. 
Don't let fear rob you of something that you know you want to do. Don't you hate it when your children are right? <laughs> you know? Don't you hate it? Yeah. Uh. And because I heard her saying that to me, because I was able again to focus in on Jesus rather than the storm that was brewing in my own mind about the possibilities of what had happened, I'm here. I'm here in this beautiful place, in this wonderful church with great and loving people like you. How many of us, how many of us have let fear keep us from moving forward in the direction that God has set before us? God says, step out of the boat. Walk on the waves. Do something marvelous and daring for me. And you won't regret it. You won't regret it. And as we're thinking about this because we care initiative, as we're thinking about how God is calling each and every one of us to step out of the boat and, and how we are being called as a church to move forward, we've got to ask ourselves, are we going to be led by fear or led by the Lord calling us out to do something daring and bold for him. I told you we're going to be looking at these journals each week, so if you, if you haven't put your journal away yet, if you haven't made too many notes about what groceries you're going to buy in them, I encourage you to turn to page nine, and there's a, a, there is a fellow in stair steps. And as you look at that, can you imagine that you're on what step you're on here? I don't know what that is for the people here. But imagine, see what step you are on right now. And can you see the Lord beckoning you out of the boat this, the next step or two, maybe even three higher? Can you see the Lord saying, take this step and you won't regret it because I am calling to you. And then on page 15, Question three, am I going to be given in such a way that, as I'll call it, it's stepping out of the boat type giving? Am I really trusting God to make a commitment that honors him that seems a little scary? Y'all, if we're making a commitment that honors God, it's going to seem scary. It's going to seem like we are stepping out of a boat that seems safe onto the waves of insecurity, but we know that the Lord is there grasping hold of us to carry us to something marvelous and wonderful. We cannot be driven by fear, ever. We'll regret it. So friends, what step are you gonna take out of the boat onto the waters of uncertainty as we look at this because we care initiative? Hmm. That's between you and him, isn't it? But take his hand and take the step of faith. Because that's the other thing we've got to see. Is that, well, Peter started walking on the water. I mean, he's here just sashaying along. He's dancing. He may have been moonwalking. Who knows what he was doing there on the water. I mean, he's there. Man, I'm walking on water. It's just me and Jesus. I don't think anyone else has ever done that. No water wings. No. No life vest. No rope. Not hanging on the gunnels. He is walking on water. He's, he's saying, hey, Jesus, look at us. We're here. And then what's he start to do? See, 
He might get hit by a wave. He feels the wind rushing in his face. He begins to think, oh my gosh, I'm walking on water. Kind of like that baby who begins to realize she's walking. And he begins to sink down into the waves. And he says these words that have been uttered on the lips of so many people who found themselves sinking beneath the waves of whatever they are facing. Lord, save me. And what's the Bible say? What's Matthew say? Immediately. Not waiting a minute, just seeing how far he could go down. Let's see if he's going to drown, if he's going to hold his nose. No, immediately he reaches out his hand and grasps him up and then says, why do you doubt? Now, how do you picture Jesus saying, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Do you picture that? Is that the way he said it? Yes, you're doubting. I can't believe it. No, I don't think it's that way at all. Do you? I think it's like the mother with that little baby that has fallen down and just picking the, her up and say, oh, you had it, hon. You had it. Why didn't you trust more in yourself? You had it. Well, Peter had something more trustworthy than a mother's arms. He had the hand of Jesus. He had the hand of Jesus lifting him up out of the waves. Now, I'm going to get pastoral for a moment. Beyond campaign, beyond people's uh, considering what God's calling them to do in line with this, because we care initiative about your giving, I know because I'm a pastor and I've talked to people and people have talked to me and I know from the prayer concerns that we receive, there are people that feel like they're battling the waves in their lives right now within the sound of my voice, either in this place or tuning in online. There are people feel like they're drowning in the sea of uncertainty and they're in darkness and despair and they're afraid. In the midst of that, in the midst of that, Jesus says, I'll reach out my hand and grasp you. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what news you have received, no matter the news that you have received, whether it's something about your own life, something about your family's life, something that you've heard that disturbs you greatly. The Lord is reaching out his hand. He's reaching out his hand to lift you out of the waves and to bring you to a place where you're secure. And that's in his arms. Thomas Dorsey wrote a hymn that's in our United Methodist hymnal. And if the words aren't going to be on the screen here a little bit, it's at page 474 in your hymnal. Thomas Dorsey was an African-American fellow that was born in Villarica, Georgia. He moved to Atlanta and then later on to Chicago, where he went to the Chicago's Conservatory of Music. He uh, became a jazz musician and played the nightclub circuit, leaving behind his, his gospel roots and his, his uh, Southern Baptist heritage and formed the Wildcat Jazz Band. 
And they went around to jazz clubs all over the place, staying out late at night, going to bars and clubs and doing all that type of stuff. But a severe illness in 1926 caused him to return to his childhood faith and put all that behind him and became the music director at the Pilgrim Baptist Church there in Chicago, a post that he held for 40 years. He became a, a great choir leader and a song leader that was in great demand throughout the country. And he would travel all over leading worship services and revivals. In 1931, he married a woman named Nellie. And a little over a year later, in 1932, they were expecting their first child. And Nellie was nine months pregnant. But Thomas Dorsey was called to go and, and lead the music at a great revival in St. Louis. And he said, I, I shouldn't go, Nellie. You know, you're, you're nine months pregnant. And she said, no, no, go on, go on. Everything's going to be fine. They had a great worship service, a great experience. Everyone was celebrating afterwards. And when he walked out of the tent, and I know the feeling that this man experienced, he was handed a note and said, your wife is dead. She died delivering your child. He rushed back to Chicago, found out that she had delivered a baby boy. He barely got to see his son when the child died too. The Nellie and that young boy were buried in the same casket. And in the midst of his despair, in the midst of his turmoil, in the midst of being battered by the waves of grief and doubt, he wrote this hymn, Precious Lord, take my hand. And it matters not what you've been going through. It matters not where you have been or what is happening in your life. Jesus reached out his hand and took the hand of Tommy Dorsey. He took my hand and he'll take yours too, no matter what. So as we close our time together, let us stand and sing this hymn that reminds us no matter where we are, where we're going, what we've been through, His hand is there to sustain and keep you no matter what you're dealing with. Let us stand and claim this promise for ourselves together as our great praise band leads us.